Welcome to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Fellowship in the Word with Minister Daniel Abola. Here is where you receive insights about God's Word that will stir you to action. Be blessed. This is what Bible class is curated for. You are receiving insights that will push you to action, that will stir you to works of faith. Do you understand? You know the word of God is active in you when it pushes you to begin to walk what it says. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know the word of God is efficacious in your life when it pushes you. Praise God. When he stirs up faith. James uh, said that faith without works is dead. He says, "Show show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Do you understand? So our works are a proof of our faith. Hallelujah. So that's what Bible class is for. Um, I just want to say a few things about breaking bread. Um, for those that don't know, for those so that you understand what, what this is all about. Breaking bread is a teaching ministry that the Lord committed into my hands. And uh, we have the vision of spreading the knowledge of God, spreading the knowledge of God, making his ideas and his ways popular in these last days especially. So spreading the knowledge of God, making God's idea, making his idea the prevalent one in our day. Praise God. Making it popular. Hallelujah. Now we do this by influencing culture through teaching and discipleship. We do this by influencing culture through teaching, sound teaching, and discipleship. That is raising men. Hallelujah. Uh, we, we, um, we take that from the script from Matthew chapter 28 from verse 19, where it says, go into all the world and Teach all nations. It says teach. You know, commanding them to do those things that I have told you. Oh, sorry. Teaching them to do those things that I have commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So that's what Breaking Bread is about. It's a teaching ministry. And I welcome you once again. And um, going into today's teaching... As you may have seen on the flyer, the theme is rock. The theme is rock. And I will have you know that this is this is a very timely it is very timely. And you understand as we go on. You understand as we go on. But please I want to say again, if if you can, you know, you know so there are people that need this. There are people that need it. So please invite people. Invite people. Let them know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're looking at what um it's a teaching on conviction. A teaching on conviction. And we're going to be looking first at Matthew chapter 16. You know, um most especially for those people who are People who are Bible students, 
you know, when we hear a teaching like, okay, we're going to look at, we're going to consider rock, you know, you first scan your mind to possible places that um, we might talk about. So, you know, some people, some of, some people's mind may have gone to, um, when Jesus was talking to Peter, he says, you are Peter, and on this rock, do you understand what I'm saying? Praise God. And you're not wrong. That's what we're going to start with. Um, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I want you to go there. I want, I want, to, I want us to read something particular there. Matthew chapter 16. From verse 13 to 18. And you know, a lot of times we read this and where our mind goes to is, you know, that the highlight of, you know, the conversation where Jesus says, you are Peter, you know, flesh and blood as a now rock and upon this rock, I will build my church. And they, you know, that's where we quote from. Praise God. But this, the, what led to that um, high point of that conversation is where I want us to focus. From verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the re region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philip, okay. he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Praise God. That's the first thing I want you to note. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Verse 14. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. I had John the Baptist. How can he be John the Baptist? Praise God. Some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you Say that I am. That's the second thing I want you to take note of. Then Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18, And I also say to, do, to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. And, you know, like I said, two things that I want us to note. The first is, what is the word about Jesus in your day? What are men saying about Jesus? Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that this I, the soul of man, am? Praise God. And we're going, to, we're going to look into that as we go on. But it, your answer to that question affects you more than you know it. Who do people say that Jesus is? Praise God. That's the first thing. And the second, which is more important, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? What's the, What's your, what's your knowledge of Jesus? You know, some people say, or some people think that he is, you know, just a lamb. You know, like they see in pictures. You know, when we were growing up, 
And yeah, I'm sure we, we all at some point have, you know, gone to Orthodox churches and then you see the pictures in the cathedrals and the um, stained glasses. You see Jesus, you know, with a lamp on his shoulder. <laughs> Praise God. And there are inscriptions beneath it, blessed be the lamb and all that. So the idea some people have of Jesus is, is not a lamb, or is, or is he not the son of God or one child of God? Praise God. Some people know him well enough. They are, they are well informed that he's the child of God, but they don't know him in the real sense of it. They don't know him as the son of God in the real sense of it. Praise God. So they just see him, uh, they just, this is the picture they have that God is the father. God is the real, you know, is the father and then he has one son. Praise God. Praise God. So those two things are important. Who do you see Jesus is? What do you believe? Who do you believe Jesus to be? Praise God. Because who you see Jesus is, is a huge determinant in your life. It's a huge determinant in your life. And I want you to know that you can't know Jesus except um, by the revelation that comes from God. And just uh, it's the same example that we see in Peter. It says, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, Simon son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Praise God, but my Father in heaven. But my Father in heaven. Hallelujah. So I want you to take note of those today. I want you to ask yourself. I want you to really ask yourself that question. We're thinking about rock. We're talking about conviction. Who do men see Jesus is? It affects your conviction. Because Peter was the only one who gave that answer. Who gave the correct answer? Hallelujah. Peter was the only one who spoke. The rest of the disciples didn't say anything. Praise God. All the, the, the only answers, the only answer they had was what other people said. Oh, some people say you are Elijah. Some people say you are John the Baptist. Praise God. So it's important to know that what people say about Jesus can affect you, can affect your standing. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Um, an, another thing, because we're still looking at this um, passage of Scripture, another part I want us to look at is from verse 18. It says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, Hades shall not prevail against it. You know what? I want us to do a little Bible study. Let's do a little Bible study. And I want to ask some questions. So, uh, <laughs> there have been a number of misconceptions around this particular text. And I want those to, I want us to settle it once and for all. So I want to ask you, when Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, what was he talking about? 
Praise God. Please, I need you to answer. When? Okay. Okay. Um, I give you, I give you five over ten for that answer. You're very close. <laughs> very close. Who else? Ah, Bible students. Okay. My question is, when Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, what rock was he talking about? Time is going on. You want me to call me here? Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I will say, I will say give five over to... Okay, I'm I'm looking for a particular answer. Anybody? Okay. Um. So it looked at that text again. Um. Simon, will Peter enter? You um. You can call. I think he does. It was original. Okay. Um. I I don't think that's that's the right answer. All right, but thank you for trying for those who tried. Um, so let's look at it in depthly. It says you are Peter. You are Peter, and um, when he says you are Peter, what he was referring to was the literal, you know, meaning of Peter. And it was the meaning, um, I think the Hebrew word was Petros. Petros. And what Petros means is um, a detached stone. A detached stone or, you know, like a boulder, a detached stone. Then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. The word rock there is Petra. So, he was calling Peter rock, praise God, but the word he used was Petrus. You know, we talked about this when we, when we had the Bible class on Bible interpretation. How that um, you need to check, as you do your Bible study, you need to check um, your Bible um, concordance, you know, because the way some, some words, some particular words, I use it differently. They don't mean the same thing. You know, when the Bible was trans translated, it was translated to English. And the words in which the Bible was written was more rich. They were richer. The languages the, the Bible was written in, they were richer. They had more expression. Do you get what I'm saying? But when it was translated to English, English would just use normal words, so to speak. So... Jesus called Peter rock, but the word there is Petros. It means a detached stone or a, a boulder, like a broken stone. But he says upon this rock, that word rock there is Petra, and it means a huge mass of rock. A huge mass of rock. So, my question, or the question I ask now, 
what is that rock? And you guys said, um, it is the truth that, you know, he is Christ. And that's, it's like half correct. <laughs> it's half correct. It's true that he, um, he says, I will build my church on this rock, on Petra. And I will have you know that what he was talking about, Petra, was not just the truth that he is Christ, but it is Christ himself. Do you get what I'm saying? Christ himself is the rock, not just the revelation. The church was built on Christ. Hallelujah. The church was built on Christ. Praise God. He says, upon this rock, he was talking about himself. Upon this rock, upon me, I will build my church. And the gate of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Let's read, let's read some, some scriptures so that you will understand. You understand what I'm saying. Um, Isaiah 28. Let's open to Isaiah chapter 28 from verse 16. Isaiah 28, 16. Are we there? All right. It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, this was a prophecy about Christ. It says, I lay in Zion a stone. Praise God. Not the revelation of a stone. But he stole. First Corinthians ten. Are we following? Please let me know if you're following me. First Corinthians ten four. First Corinthians chapter ten, from verse four. It says, "Okay, let's let's start from verse one. First Corinthians ten one. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that." All our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. Okay, this he was talking about um the Exodus, the time of the Exodus. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was who? Praise God, that rock was who? Are we together? Are we together, guys? Are we reading this thing? Praise God, though. Okay. And that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. Christ Himself is the rock. Praise God. One more scripture. There are myriads of scriptures, a lot, especially. A lot, especially in um in the Psalms and in the Gospels, but I, I just want just to you know list a few. First Peter two six. First Peter chapter two, from verse six. Is I want you to write these things down. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture talking about the Old Testament. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. 
elect, precious, and he who believes on him by no means be put to shame. Praise God. So he's talking about the Christ. Christ himself is the rock in which the church is built on. It is built on himself, not just not just the knowledge of him. Do you get what I'm saying? The thing the truth is that we connect to that rock by the knowledge of him. Praise God. So you see, um, I don't know if it's Paul or Peter, the apostles talk about growing in the knowledge of him. Connect to that rock by the knowledge of him. But Christ himself, Christ himself and his office and the, sacrifice, the sacrifices he made and those things that he fulfilled, that is what makes him the rock. It is, it is unmovable. It is everlasting. And that is what the church is founded on. The church. The church. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, do we get it to this point? All right. So, um, in as much as, you know, people say the revelation is correct, but it's not, it's not, that's not a fool. Christ is the rock. Hallelujah. And listen, aside from Christ being our foundation, rock was used metaphorically. Do you get what I'm saying? So it does not mean that if you look at Christ now, what you see is a big stone. No. It was used metaphorically. You get to indicate firmness, to indicate stability, to indicate faithfulness, something that is everlasting. Praise God. I wish I wish we could talk more about this. Um you know, there are portions in Daniel, in the book of Daniel that I wanted us to read. Or uh, um we see we have a lot to cover. So rock was used metaphorically. Praise God. To mean, you know, firmness and stability. The faithfulness of God. Something that cannot be moved. Something that is enduring. Hallelujah. You know what? This is something that the Lord told me. He says, this teaching is one that is designed to make you last. God wants to make you last. God wants to make you last. Do you know, or is it, is it a possibility that is in your mind that you can stand strong from the beginning to the end? You can. You can stand strong. And this is, this is what a teaching like this is going to do in you. Praise God. It's going to make you last. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do we get it? Alright, so back to Matthew chapter 16. So Jesus is interested is interested in who you see he is. He's interested because when he asks that you that question, he asks you for your sake. It is for your sake. Because you are the one founded on the rock. He is the rock. And so he's asking you, who do you say I am? 
because it is your knowledge of who he is that founds you on the rock. It is your knowledge of who he is that founds you on the rock. Hallelujah. So at every point in time, what is your confession of faith? What is your confession? What is your This is one of the most important things that a believer can do for himself or herself. Your confession of faith. And in as much as you know you are right about your confession your confession of faith, you need to be consistent in it. Praise God. You need to be consistent in it. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Times, times are going to come. Times are going to come when, you know, there's going to be a shaking. I can tell you this prophetically, and I can tell you in scriptures. You know, it's a, it's a sign, it's a sign of the last days. But aside from scripture, I can tell you prophetically, times of shake, serious times of shaking are going to come. And so you need this. You need this. Let me tell you, God wants you to be able to stand. He wants you to be able to stand from the beginning. You know what? You know what I told myself some weeks ago? I said, for this coming year, what I'm going to ensure in my life is that I'm not going to waver in faith regarding anything. No second guessing anything. You know, uh, God said this. Why hasn't it happened? No. There's not going to be any of that. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm going to, I'm going to ensure by the grace of God, I stand strong in the word from day one to day end. Praise God. Praise God. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. Enough of the devil cheating us. Enough of the devil slowing us down or derailing us. Let me tell you something. It's a distraction. It's a huge, huge distraction. And it's a time waster. Because scripture lets us understand that there is a time. There are seasons apportioned to our lives. Praise God. Our lives come in seasons. It comes in seasons. There are times and seasons attached to our lives. And you need to make the most of every time. And what the devil does is that he brings times of shakings. And he tries to shake our faith. Tries to derail us. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. There are times, you know, especially even this year, that you were not yourself. You know, you just could all... You didn't even know. <laughs> you didn't even know if this Christian thing was about Christianity again. Praise God. You, you felt like you were beat down. You felt like you, you couldn't go on anymore. That is not the will of God for any believer. Praise God. God wants us. I mean, look at. I want you to look at any man. A woman of faith in the Bible, those who did, you know, those who we consider to have done great things, 
they were very tenacious people. They were very, te- you know, sometimes we have a bias, especially when we, when we, re- when we are studying the Bible, everybody has, you know, this mental model. When we, re- when we are reading the Bible, you know, it's kind of like how we, we've been taught, you know, when we were growing up, we've been sensitized into it. So we grew up reading, you know, good stories, you know, stories that always have good endings. Praise God. So when we read the Bible, we're always picking out those things that are good. We're picking out those things that are good. We are looking for those happy endings. Oh, and at the end of the day, you know, Joseph became prime minister. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, he became prince. He became a prince in Egypt. Praise God. But our minds doesn't really process those other, you know, unfavorable aspects as we ought to. Praise God. Abraham, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to give you a child. Hallelujah. God came to him when he was 75. He says, I'm going to give you a child. And Abraham received that child, received that promise 25 years later. 25 well, God. I mean, come out of yourself. I just think about seventy percent. You know, I say seventy percent. Just you know, give people benefit of the doubt. Seventy percent of people cannot wait that long. I'm saying it is our day. It is our day. Seventy percent of people cannot wait that long for twenty-five years. He was old, and you know what? God, after God gave him the promise, God changed his name, you know, from Abraham to Abraham. Abraham meaning father of nations. And so his name was like a contradiction. Your name, father of nations, but you don't have a child. (laughs) And he had to bear that name for 25 years, still without that child. It's not a joke. I mean, many of us can look back through this year. I mean, there, there's a lot to be grateful to God for, but there are times. You still remember those times where, ah, you're like, God, I beg. <laughs> this thing is not, it's not giving again. Praise God. Praise God. 25 years. Look at the story of Joseph. Joseph was in prison for theology for about 12 years. 12. It's not a joke. Oh, God. I think I think I may have gone ahead of myself a little. All right. All right. Let's come back to let's come back to where we are. All right. There are two things that I want to talk about in wreck, in conviction. There are two particular things I want to talk about. The first is knowledge. Knowledge. Let's talk about knowledge. Knowledge. And like in the chapter that we, verse of scripture that we read at first, 
you know, Jesus asked her, who do men say who do you say that I am? What is your knowledge? What is your knowledge about Jesus? Is this knowledge consistent? Praise God. Is it a consistent confession of faith? Is it a consistent confession of faith? Let me tell you something. Okay, let's open to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, let's go there. Matthew 7 from verse 24. Matthew 7 from verse 24. It says, Therefore, whoever hears this saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. On the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Praise God. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Hallelujah. And while I was reading this um, verse of particular verse of scripture, one thing that I noticed that was consistent, one thing that I noticed that was consistent was that the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew. Praise God. <laughs> and so, this is something that is going to be consistent in life. Oh, the rain is going to come. The floods, the floods are on their way. Praise God. The winds are going to blow hard. It's, it's consistent. It's going to be consistent. And what Jesus is telling you is that in as much as these things are consistent, you ought also to be consistent. In fact, be more consistent than these things. You need to, <laughs> you need to out-consistent them. Praise God. So, in as much as these things are going to come, God wants you to be consistent in your knowledge of Him. Because that's what, that's what is going to keep you. That's what is going to keep you on the rock. That's what is going to keep you on the rock. In life, there are going to be shakings. The floods are going to come. You can't eat. Let me tell you something. You can't pray against the floods. You can't pray against. There's not God will not do. There's nothing God can do about the floods. They are going to come. They are going to come, and the fact that you know they are going to come should make you prepared. Should make you prepare yourself. Should make you prepare yourself. You should from now begin to tell yourself. You know what. There were some areas, you know, this year that, you know, I didn't really stand rooted for come 2023. Oh, God. I know floods are going to come, but I'm ready. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be ready for anything. Do you get what I'm saying? See? Oh, God. All right. 
All right, let's move on. Let's move on. I want us to take Peter as an example. Let's take Peter as an example. Luke 22. Let's go to Luke 22. And that that's all in my local prehistoric. Son in my I hope you're still with me. Luke 22, from verse 31. Luke 22, from verse 31. We all know this scripture. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Praise God. Verse 33. But Peter responded and said, Lord, I am ready to go with you. Both to prison and death. And to death. Then Jesus, you know, gave him a prophetic parable. He says, then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you. They will deny me three times that you know. Praise God. It says, I take that again. I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. That you know me. I thought, you know, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked them a question, and Peter, you know, Peter was bold enough to give him a, a reply. <laughs> he says, you are, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. I mean, was he not Peter? He was Peter now. Peter himself said it, that you are the Christ. And here, here it is. <laughs> we see Peter denying Jesus. Ah, well, in fact... The third time he denied Jesus, he denied Jesus with swearings and apostles. Praise God. So what, what happened? What would you say happened to Peter? What happened to Peter? Because he clearly knew. In fact, Jesus said, well, flesh and blood did not reveal. It was revealed by the Father. But now, Peter is denying Jesus. What happened to him? What happened to him? His conviction was not consistent. His conviction was not consistent. This is the thing about conviction and the consistency thereof. That no matter, no matter the situation, no matter the season, no matter where you find yourself, what you said the one is what you are still saying. It doesn't change. You know, it doesn't take another form. What you said at the first is what you are still saying. It's what you are still saying. It says, it says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. Satan wants to sift you. What does sifting mean? Sifting is, you know, separation from conviction. He wants to take you through through a rough patch. How that, you know, what he expects is that when you come out, you are standing on one side, 
Your convictions are standing on another side. He wants to separate you from your convictions. Praise God. That's the devil's plan for you. That's the devil's plan for you. Praise God. And so, Peter, you know, ended up denying Jesus. Ended up denying Jesus three times. Someone who knew the Christ ended up denying Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I just want to admonish us. I just want to admonish us. Like I said earlier, not every, you know, even though every story in the Bible has a happy ending, has a happy, of course, the word of God will come to pass. It will come to pass. Even though everything has, you know, kind of like a happy ending. Those people that received their testimonies went through a lot. They went through a lot. They had their faith tested. They had their faith tested. They had their faith tested. You know, something happened, you know, at the time of Jesus. It, uh, scripture tells us about a woman with the issue of blood. And the Bible tells us, it says that she had this issue. She had spent all of her money, all of her money on this thing. And she still was not better. She still, she had tried, you know, pictures of who has tried everything possible. And she still did not get better. And, you know, she hears about this man of God. You know, that is passing, and then she says to herself, she says to herself, if I, oh God, if I may but just touch the hem of his garment. Someone has been trying for 12 years, for 12 years to find a cure. She didn't get any, she didn't, she didn't get better having spent all that she had, and she was still trying. She still had faith. After 12 years of no results, of no change, of not getting better. Praise God. Imagine, you know, because the issue she had was that she had um, she had a flow of blood, a ceaseless flow of blood. And, you know, imagine her going to bed, waking up every morning, having soiled herself. And, you know, she still believes. She still tells, no, I still believe. I still believe I can't. I won't stop trying. I won't stop trying. Praise God. Jesus, we see in Luke chapter 18, from verse 1, you know, scripture, he says that, and he spoke this parable to, to them to the end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And you know, it looks like it was a sermon on prayer, but it wasn't. It wasn't because what he talks about was different. He says there was an unjust judge. There was an unjust judge. And this woman came crying to him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. 
And this guy wouldn't listen to her because he didn't fear God nor regard man. Hallelujah. But she kept on coming. She kept on coming to the extent that himself, he himself said, you know, so that this woman will not weary me. And I thought about it. I thought deeply about it. Who is supposed to be wearied? Is it the person that does not want to answer somebody or the person that keeps coming? Or the person that keeps coming reminds me of our system in, in, in this, our, our dear nation. How that you just want to get some documents. You just want to get some documents. And, but you have to go, you have to battle with this, you know, tyrants at uh, this tyrant, these government officials just to get, you know, you have to keep on coming and they keep on stressing you. Just picture that kind of scenario. And it got to the extent that, you know, Dion just, just said, no, 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 this woman will, she will tire me. She will tire me by her continual coming. She will tire me by her continual coming. And you know what? Jesus then ended the parable saying, you know, if an unjust judge, you know, can answer this woman regarding this matter because she kept on coming, how much more, you know, shall God answer his elect and answer them speedily? Then he then says that, but when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Shall he find faith on the earth? Meaning that there is an aspect of faith that has to do with tenacity. You have to keep on coming. He says, the Son of Man needs to come and find you asking. It's not enough to ask. He has to find you asking. Praise God. Praise God. He has to find you asking. Hallelujah. I mean, we have so many examples of this littered all around scripture. There is an aspect of faith that has to do with tenacity. You have to be tenacious in your faith. You tell yourself, you know, Saul, Saul, very dear to me, told me this, um, told me this, and it has stuck with me ever since then. That it is your responsibility to believe. It is God's responsibility to fulfill what He has said. So, even so far, it it has not come to pass. Your only end of the bargain, your own end of the deal, is to believe. Is to hold on. Is to hold on. Praise God. Your conviction should be consistent. Let it be consistent. No matter what, we we die here. We die here. I will not move. I will not move from what I've said. I will stand on what I believe. Irrespective, will let the whole world crumble all around me. I will not shift. Let me tell you something. You really need, you really need this thing. You really need it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Scripture tells us in First First Samuel chapter thirty how that um, enemies came and raided Ziklag, you know, the camp of David and his soldiers, and they burnt down Ziklag, took their wives and their children. You know, says when they came, they came back. They were sorrowful. They were so sorrowful that they they wanted to stone David to death. But scripture says that amidst all of that, David encouraged himself in the Lord. They had just captured his wives and children. I mean, the natural propensity is that, you know, you feel lost, you feel down, you know, it is finished. I mean, what is remaining? What is remaining? Everything is gone. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Have that, have that determination. You encourage yourself in the Lord. You encourage yourself in the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I want us to move on. Uh, All right. One sad reality for us is that we have the propensity to forget. One sad reality for us is that we have the propensity to forget. Is that we have the, even as believers, we have the we have the propensity to forget the word of God. You know what God has told us. Praise God. I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, can relate to this. You know, when you are when you are facing challenges like this, before you remember, very remember that this is the word of the Lord. If we first don't, you know, scatter small, praise God, it's, not, it's based on our natural proclivity. We forget the word of God, especially in the face of challenges. Hallelujah. And here is what God says in here is what Jesus says in John 14 from verse 26. He says, um, I will send you the promise of the Father, the Comforter. He says, and he will remind you, he will bring to remembrance the things I have spoken to you. He will bring to remembrance. So one of the ministry of the Holy Spirit was, is to bring to our remembrance. Praise God. I don't know if you've been in that position where the, it was like the Holy Spirit stirred up scripture in you. He stirred up scripture in you, in your heart. So he brings to remembrance the things that, you know, we've read in the word, the things that Jesus has told us, the things that God has told us. He brings it to remembrance when we need it. Because there is that propensity to forget. Hallelujah. We see the same thing in Hebrews. Hebrews 2.2. 2. Hebrews. Oh, sorry. Hebrews 2.1. It says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So he's saying, Pay honor. Pay Wrapped attention. Give more attention to things that you've heard. 
Otherwise, these things will slip. You can forget. You can forget. You stand in front of trials and you know your head first goes blank. Praise God. Praise God. Um, take over the course to fire. Let's look at Philippians. Philippians chapter one. Oh, I'm sorry. I beg your pardon. Galatians. Galatians chapter one. Galatians chapter one. From verse six. Now, Paul speaking to the Galatians. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Now, this was, this was something so serious. Verse 7, which is not another, but they are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. So, he wrote to them because they were already shifting. They were already moving away from what they had at first. They were moving away. They were moving away. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's not be quick to forget. Let's not be quick to forget. Put to remembrance. This is why this is why confessions are encouraged in the church. You know, what we did in a Bible study or Christianity as a taught faith. And we we saw how that when Moses gave the law, he says, write it on your on your hands. Tattoo it on your forehead. Let it always be before you. It says, and so you teach your children. Because it's important. These things can sleep. We can forget them. We can forget them. Hallelujah. Um, Joshua 1 8. And the Lord was encouraging Joshua. He says, Meditate. Meditate on these things. Meditate on the word of God. Praise God. Meditate on the word of God. Because the moment, the moment, the moment uh, the word of God is not before you, it's not before your very face, or it's not top of your mind, your convictions begin to shift. This thing has a lot to do with mind programming. It has a lot to do with mind programming. What is what is topmost in your mind? Do you understand? What is topmost in your mind is what will control your actions. What is topmost in your mind is what will control your actions. We are not so much in control of our actions as we think. It is rather what we give ourselves to continually. What we give ourselves to continually. What we pay the most attention to is what we will act out. That's what we will act out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So meditate. 
Confess these things. Confess these things. You should have a confession of faith. You should have a confession of faith. Praise God. Oh, Kalamando Shetepele Vahataka. Oh, what can separate me from, from the love of God in Christ? Hallelujah. Shall tribulation, shall death, shall nakedness, shall peril. Praise God. And you use these scriptures to remind yourself, you know, probably, probably you're free. <laughs> you don't feel, because there are those times you come where you don't feel the love of God. You don't feel it. God just feels far away from you. It is with scriptures you remind yourself. What shall separate me? What shall separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Hallelujah. Or is it provision? How shall he who, who gave his son? How shall he know with him freely give me all things? Freely give me all things. When you begin to talk like that, when you begin to confess the word, you are, you are, you are keeping yourself on the rock. You are keeping yourself on the rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The second thing I want to talk about is edification. Edification. The first was conviction, um, knowledge. Knowledge. The first was knowledge. And then we talked about conviction. The second is edification. And this one is very important because it is not enough to have consistent conviction, as important as consistent conviction is. It is not enough to have consistent conviction, but you need to grow your conviction. You need to grow your conviction. Praise God. Your conviction should get better. It should be more founded. It should be more rooted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Guys, are we still together? Please let me know. Just type something in the chat. I hope you are being blessed. All right. First Corinthians 13, from verse 10. It says, But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I spoke, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Praise God. So you ought to get better. There were times where, you know, you knew, but your convictions were not so rooted. I hope you know that your convictions can even be more rooted. You can even be more strengthened in what you know. It's called confirmation. And Paul did it a lot in his ministry. How that after Paul, Paul um, had... Paul had about three missionary journeys. You know, the first one was him and Barnabas, you know, going to the, to the Gentiles in Asia and in other places. And the second time he said to Barnabas, 
let us go back to the churches. You know, the churches, they went back to the churches that they had planted and strengthened the believers. They confirmed them even the more. Praise God. It is very important in the Christian faith. Because the truth is, like I said, we forget. Over time, you, you might have shifted and not know it. You might have shifted and not know it. Like we read in, in Galatians, you know, he was asking the Galatians, how are you so soon removed from the faith that was preached to you? How are you so soon removed? Praise God. And he says, he says, there are some that are troubling you. There are some that seem that, that want to shake your faith. Praise God. The truth is that we're, we're exposed to the things of the world. We're we are in the world, but we're not of the world. But we are in the world. Hallelujah. We are, we are in the world. And so we are exposed to the things of the world. And those things, either we like it or not, have influence. They have influence on the, on the things we know and we believe. Praise God. They have influence. Paul was saying, do not be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manner. Evil communication can corrupt good man. When you place yourself in the wrong environment, it can affect what you believe. It can affect what you believe. And so Paul says, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Romans 12, 2. Renew your mind. There is, a, there is a need to renew. If there was no need, if all if all we needed as believers was just to hear the word of God once, I mean, <laughs> is the end now. If all we needed to be, you know, permanently established was just to hear the word of God once, why is it that why is it that you need to hear the word of God repeatedly? Why is it that there are some times you just realized, oh, I really needed that sermon. I really needed that word. Why? Was it because you've not heard it before? No. It is just because we are exposed to a lot and those things can shake. And the thing is that the way the world is, the way the devil has programmed the world is that it does not shake you all of a sudden. It is little by little. It is little by little. You know, um, my spiritual father was to give, give uh, a, a scenario of how that, you know, a young pastor in a church, you know, there were many elders in the church. And they usually put the lectern. They usually put the lectern at the edge of the altar. And he, he was complaining that let's move this thing to the middle now. Let's it's not, it's not all, so right being at the edge. Praise God. And you know, you know, old, old people, you know, they are very used to their customs and all. So they, 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 they denied. They said no. And what he did was that every Sunday or every service day, little by little, he will move the lectern. He will move it by an inch. 
And he kept on doing that. And you know, it wasn't obvious. But after a period of time, it was already right in the middle. Right in the middle of the altar. Praise God. And when, I mean, it was in the middle of the altar and they did not complain. Because, you know, it happened little by little. It wasn't noticeable. It wasn't noticeable. And that's how the, wor the world tries to get you to shift your conviction. It doesn't happen all of a sudden. The, do the devil is too smart for that. It will come in a very obvious manner. Praise God. I mean, look at, look at the world and the vices that we have in it. There's a whole lot of agendas flying around. I mean, the first time, First, I mean, okay, let me use myself as an example. I think I'm also guilty of it. The first time, the first time, you know, you probably saw a gay scene or a homosexual scene in a movie. You were like, what is this robe? You were so disgusted. Praise God. Well, now, <laughs> oh God, Netflix has done as don't shake you. So I, I think some months ago, I was watching a movie. Praise God. Can, can anyone hear me? Can you guys hear me? Okay. So some months ago, I think I was watching a movie. It was very interesting. It was so interesting that there were gay characters and I did not mind I'm telling you, <laughs> oh God. It was after the after I had finished watching the series, and I thought to myself that ha. I mean, I just watched this thing. I know it it it, <laughs> it almost got to the stage that I was even rooting for Jarish because see eh, the world <laughs> the, don't underestimate the vices that are in the world. Don't underestimate it. Because they have the excellence. They use excellence to mask their agenda. So what you are seeing is, this, this movie is interesting. Praise God. But underneath, those things are there. And they are doing something. They are doing something to you. Because either you know it or not, your mind is processing this information. Your mind is processing it. And so, even though it's subtle, you are seeing it all the time. Over a long period of time, your conviction would have shifted. You will not know it. You will not know it. This is how, this is how the devil attacks. Praise God. It's called wiles. The Bible calls it wiles. Three crees of the devil. Where scripture says, they lie or wait to deceive. This is how it happens. It doesn't, you know, doesn't come all of a sudden. It is little by little until you find out that, you know, you are in a position and you did the opposite of what you would, what you would normally do. Praise God. This is why scripture says, be sober, be vigilant. Be sober, be, be vigilant. Don't let anything 
Don't let anything skip your notice. Praise God. Don't let anything skip you. Don't let anything pass you by. I mean, I'd, I finished, it was when I finished watching it. I was not reminiscing, oh, on the movie, you know, great actors, really good storyline. I mean, I'm a creative, so there, are partic- there were particular things that, you know, captured my attention and that I really loved. I really loved the excellence. But I not really program like, when I was watching, I wasn't, I didn't feel anything. I did not feel anything when it came to, you know, the gay scenes and all of that. I didn't feel anything. It was almost like I was indifferent. And I had to, you know, I had to talk to myself. Hey, well, good. Hallelujah. So, edification is not enough to be consistent in conviction. You have to build on it. You get better. He says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I did things as a child, but now I am a man and I have put away childish things. I have put away childish things. Hallelujah. Same First Corinthians, let's look at chapter 3. I want us to do a little Bible study there. This is Bible class. I did not really intend to preach it. I don't think I'm preaching. I might preach. But I want us to do Bible study. I want us to do Bible study. This is important. Praise God. And this is very important because these things that we're talking about, I want each and every one of us to be able to teach it. We should be able to teach it. Hallelujah. You see, what the, what the word of God does in you is that it builds in you fortification. It builds in you fortification. Praise God. The truth is not everything you see in scripture is directly applicable to our time. That's the truth of the matter. Not everything is directly applicable to our time. Hallelujah. But what the word of God does in you, Paul, Paul was addressing the uh, Ephesian church in Acts 20.32. He says, I commend you to, to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up. It is able to build you up. That is what the word of God does in you. It builds you up. It gives you wisdom. Scripture calls the Christ. Sorry. Scripture calls Christ, or refers to Christ as the Logos of God. Refers to Christ as the Logos of God. And when you fellowship with God, you are fellowshipping with the Logos. What Logos means is word, the thoughts of God, the very ideas, the very ideas in God's mind. Hallelujah. That is what Scripture does. It gives you God's perspective. It gives you God's ideas. Praise God. That's the truth of the matter. Not everything we see in scripture is directly applicable in our day, especially. Let me tell you something. The battle that we are fighting in our day 
it's not the battle that it's not it's not it's not in any way the same battles that the apostles fought in their day. As is different. Many people don't even know. They don't even know the warfare. Praise God. They don't know. Well, it says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. It will build you up. It will build you up. And Paul said that to the Ephesians, to the Ephesians because he was leaving them. They weren't going to see him again. He wasn't going to be around to, you know, to encourage them, to give them fortification in the faith. And so he says, I commend you to God and to his word. I won't be around, I won't be here with you, but the word of God will build you up. It will give you the fortification you need. It will fill you with his ideas, with his perspectives. Hallelujah. And it is with these ideas that we influence and change our world. Praise God. All right, so 1 Corinthians 3 from verse 10. It says, Paul speaking, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Pay attention. I have laid the foundation. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Well, let each one take heed how he builds on it. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is what? which is Jesus Christ. So this is another passage of scripture that corroborates, you know, uh, Matthew 16, where it says, no, Christ is the rock. This foundation in itself is Christ. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, Silver, precious stones, wood, a straw. Each world's work will become clay, for the day will declare it. Another word for declare is reveal. For today will reveal it. Okay, um, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Praise God. Hallelujah, are we together? And so it says, the foundation has been laid. Remember, we're talking about edification. It says the foundation has been laid. Now, it is time to build on that foundation. It is time to build on that foundation. And it says something particular. It says, you can either build on it gold or silver, you know, or precious stones, or wood, or hay, or straw. Praise God. Praise God. So, there is a quality to which you should build on your foundation. There is a, there is a level of investment you should put to it. Hallelujah. It says, for the day will reveal everyone's work. <laughs> what you have done, if it is efficacious, it will be reviewed. It will be reviewed. 
fire will come and test it. Fire will come and test what you have built. What you have built on the foundation. We stand the test of time. We stand the test of time. Hallelujah. I mean, this is very important. This is very important. Foundation has been laid. Now, build on it. But let everyone take heed. Be careful how you build on this thing. Now, the foundation is not the problem. The foundation has been laid. I remember we talked about the foundation. Knowledge. But he's saying build on it. And be careful how you build on it. Praise God. Because the day will reveal it. It will be tested. It will be tested. Praise God. Praise God. So we know that, we know now for a fact that we are not supposed to leave the foundation there. We are not supposed to leave the foundation there. You build, you, you erect a structure on it. Praise God. And it also matters what you build on it. It matters what you build on it. It matters what you build on it. Praise God. So how do we build? How do we build on the foundation? We build simple by word, by the word and by prayers. We build by the word and by prayers. And I want to say something. Because whenever, whenever, you know, I'm talking to people and they're asking me, you know, how can I stay consistent, all of this stuff. And I say, just study your Bible and pray. It usually sounds very cliche to them. And I wonder, why is it, why is it cliche? Praise God. You know, Sometimes, or some people are looking for quick fixes. Something that you can just easily drop. You know, and then you just because. The truth is, heaven has, let me tell you something. Heaven has a standard. Praise God. Heaven has a standard. Heaven has a standard. And if you, if you, there's nothing like, you know, Paul talks about talks about sin in Romans chapter three, and he says sin means to miss the mark. Sin means to miss the mark. So it means you 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 falling short of that standard. Praise God. For example, according to Yek um, marking scheme, thirty nine is F, right? Thirty nine is F. 70 is A, I think, yeah, yeah, 70 is A, and the likes like that. 39 is F, 15 is S, praise God, 20, 25 is F, praise God. The standard will always remain the standard. It will always remain the standard. There is no shortcut, there is no quick fix. In the kingdom of God, 
You have to do what is needful. You have to do what is needful. And it is as simple as studying the word of God and praying. Just those two things. And maybe the occasion, the occasional fasting. And a lot of people still find that very hard. And they're asking me, I want to become um, I want to become better as a I, I don't know, I'm struggling as a Christian. What can I do? Well, study your Bible, pray, seeking her. And it's like then it's like, you know, you know when somebody comes to you for advice and they know <laughs> they know what they are supposed to do. But they are asking you in hope in hope that you can tell them something different, something that they can put into. Praise God. That's the standard. By word and by prayers. I mean, if you can't if you can't be consistent in that, I don't know. I don't know. Just Bible study and prayers is as simple as that. Hallelujah. For study of the word, like um, I quoted Acts twenty thirty two. Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to what? Build you. The word of God is able to build you. And give you an inheritance. What it means by inheritance is your own. It is able to give you your own. It is able to give you what is your own. Among them that are sanctified. It was the same prayer that Paul prayed for them in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know the hope and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Praise God. That's what the word of God does for you. It builds you up. It builds you up. Hallelujah. The second is prayer. Second is prayer. And we see that in Jude 20. Jude chapter 20. I said Jude chapter 20. Jude verse 20. Jude has only one chapter. Jude verse 20. It says, But you. It says, But. And um, for him to say, But, it means there was something he was talking about before, right? Right? It says, But. But you, beloved. So what he was talking about was, um, if you read, if you follow the flow of thoughts, he was talking about those um, who um, who will come and try to pervert a faith. Those who, before the foundation of the world, were doomed to condemnation and blah blah. Well, that that's that's another teaching for another day. Praise God. But you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. It says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. On your most holy faith. What is your most holy faith? Your most holy faith is the doctrine of Christ as your foundation. Hallelujah. Like we've established, your most holy faith is the doctrine of Christ as your foundation. And he says, you have the responsibility to build your own. Build on it. 
build on it. Praise God. The word build is the word oikodomio. Hallelujah. It's um, a term used in construction. As in to lay brick upon brick. To lay brick upon brick. Hallelujah. So you can build yourself. You can build yourself. I want you to see, I want you to see prayer as an alcohol. Something that holds you down. It holds you to your foundation. It establishes you on your foundation like this. Praise God. That's what an alcohol does, right? He holds a ship in place at sea. He holds it down. That's what prayer will do for you. Let me tell you, it is one thing for you to know something. It is another thing for you to be strong in that thing. Praise God. It is one thing for you to know. Hey, praise God. It is one thing for you to know the truth of God's word. Oh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. A lot of those incredible things. But without prayer, without prayer, you will struggle to be strong in it. <laughs> okay. You know, oh, um, so we understand the scripture, the love of God, but what can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Um, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. You know what? Don't pray. Just go two weeks without praying. Go two weeks. And let me know if you will feel any love. Let me know if you will feel any love. Praise God. Because it's different for you to know something and to be strong consistently in it. You can be strong consistently in truth by prayer. Because prayer is an anchor. Prayer is an anchor. Hallelujah. Let's look at something in Luke chapter 22. <coughs> Luke chapter 22. Anande repose from verse 39. Luke 22 from verse 39. Um, Jesus adds um, the garden of Gethsemane. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And I want you to pay attention to Jesus' prayers. I want you to pay attention. It says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from us. Take this cup away from me. Then there was a semicolon, meaning that, you know, there was a break. There was a pause there. So it's kind of like, I want you to picture it. His initial prayer was, you know, if it is possible, take this cup away from. 
Then after him a while, he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And come up onto this point, right? Jesus knew that he was to die. Abi? He knew. <laughs> he knew he was to die. So why is it that, you know, he was asking this question, God, if it's possible? <laughs> Praise God. Why is it that after a while, his prayer changed? Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Because prayer is an alcohol. Prayer is an alcohol. So you can know something and not be strong in it. You can know something and not be strong in it. So he, that's what, so he advised his disciples. He says, pray. So that you do not fall into temptation. Pray. Hallelujah. Because when temptation comes, what temptation does is that it tests what you know. It tests what you know. Oh, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You say it. So the devil will bring lust. You are the righteousness of God, right? Oh yeah, now. So it is what you know. Praise God. And with prayer. Prayer helps you stand strong in what you know. So without prayer, if you if if you know you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you not backed up with prayer, sorry, you will fall. <laughs> you will fall your attacking. Praise God. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the idea. And we see that example of Christ himself. In Christ himself. How that he went to pray. You know. He knew. He, he knew he was to die. He knew he came to die. But after a while, you know, he. God. If it's possible. But after a while. After a while, he said, nevertheless, nevertheless, hallelujah, not my will, but yours be done. And so he was anchored. And scripture says that in verse 43, then the angel, then an angel appeared to him from evil, strengthening him. Strengthening him. This is how, this is how spiritual strength works. This is how it happens. You are strengthened in what you know. Think about it. Every time that you've received strength, you know, it was always a reassurance. It was always a reassurance of what God had told you. Spiritual strength comes, you know, by reassurance. Because God did not tell him any of that. God did not tell him anything. God did not. God never answered that prayer. For his strength in Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So no matter what you know, without prayer, you won't be strong in it. You won't be in fact you can't you can't achieve strong convictions without prayer. Guys, this edification thing is very important. It's very important because like Paul said. The day will reveal it. 
the day will reveal it. If what you know is backed up by 15 minutes worth of prayer, the day will reveal it. Praise God. <laughs> there is no cheating. <laughs> There's no cheating. <laughs> Praise God. Is it the Sometimes we 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 think or we expect grace to cover a lot of things, but no. 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 Hallelujah. So what's the first thing we talked about? Knowledge. Please, I want you to type it. Knowledge. Knowledge and edification. Knowledge and edification. Praise God. Prayer is an uncle. Prayer is an uncle. Prayer will hold you down. Praise God. I want you, I want you as much as possible to put these things to practice. Put these things to practice. I know, I know we're in a sensitive season where it's the end of the year and many people are looking, many people are looking, many people have looked to God. You know, 2023 was going to come and, you know, you've received words, you're excited. I'm telling you that you receive words does not mean it's going to be easy. I can even tell you, probably it won't be easy. But see, I've I've started setting my mind, started setting my mind since the beginning of this month. Oh God, oh God, there is work. Praise God. Praise God. it won't. It won't. Because we can get so caught up in the euphoria of it. You know, we're excited. Oh, glory to God. But when the, when the storm comes, when the sickness is called, we used to be standing. That's what matters most. That's what matters most. That you, you take the word of God from the from the world and you run with it to the end to the end no stopping you know no distractions you you, you take it from the one praise god and you run with it to the end that's what is most important that is what is most important praise god Praise God. Have you been blessed? Have you been blessed? I, I want to, just, just as a final note, I want us to read, I want us to read something Paul, something Paul said in Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Now this was Paul the Apostles. I beg your pardon, I'm looking for the scripture. Eos. 
Praise God. Praise God. All right. Second Corinthians 11, we read from verse 21. Now, the background to the story, Paul was talking about certain people who called themselves apostles. Like, you know, they, they, they call and try to warn themselves into the midst of the sheep, into the midst of God's people. And, you know, they are trying to push their own ideas. They're trying to pervert and seek what they already know. Praise God. And so Paul is talking about himself. And he, 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 makes, he makes a boast in some things here. Hallelujah. Verse 23. Oh, sorry. Verse 21. To our shame, I say that we are too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, he says, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. So he's saying, they, they might be bold in these things, but I am bold also. 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? He's saying, I, I speak as a fool or I speak as one that is carnal. I am more. Praise God. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes. Stripes means floggings, in beatings, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In debts, often. From the Jews, five times, I received 40 stripes. Except in one, in one case. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day and a day I have been in the deep. Praise God. So for a full day, he was in the sea. Oh God. 26. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the church. Praise God. So this is Paul the Apostle. You know, someone who did, someone who, who by privilege and grace, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Praise God. He's saying here, no matter how much you look up to him, my God, no matter how much you look up to him, he's, he's making a boast of the things that he has gone through. Hallelujah. And you know, like I said earlier on that, it is possible for us to selectively when we study the Bible, try and pick out those uh, stories that end, you know, that end good, that have happy endings. And this is Paul here. This is Paul here making a boast of all the things that he has suffered. Stripes, 
being attacked by robbers, shipwrecks. Praise God. Praise God. Imagine, imagine someone making a boast in these things. Hallelujah. He didn't just boast about, I mean, he didn't, even, he didn't boast about miracles. Even though he performed many miracles, we see in um, Acts chapter Acts chapter 19, how that the city church of God, the word of God prevailed in that city. Aprons and handkerchiefs were taken, were taken from Paul and laid on the sick. And, you know, people put sick people and those possessed of demons, um, they, put, they put them in the street so that as Paul was walking, his shadow healed them. Hallelujah. He didn't make a boast in those things. He made a boast in his sufferings. He made a boast in his sufferings. Hallelujah. And I want us to read the final passage of scripture. Everybody open to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Are we still together? I'm sorry, um, I'm a little distracted here, but all right. Romans chapter eight. Are we together, guys? Please let me know. Men not to pray coste for heart distance. All right, all right, thank you very much. Romans 8 from verse 32. Romans 8 from verse 32. Parasotekelemanotelibai. Penoshekofaha. Romans 8, 32. Alright. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Hallelujah. Verse 35, um, if, if you're there, please read it with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as is written? Hey, for your sake, we are killed all, the, the, all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. He says, he says, what shall separate us? He says, even though, you know, he was talking about persecution 
and he was talking about how that um we in this mortal body seek to be united with our Lord. And so we are groaning inwardly. We 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 suffer and we endure a lot in this our mortal body on this earth. And so he's he's charging them. Hallelujah. He's saying, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is it tribulation? Is it tribulation? This this is rock. This is rock. What shall separate us? What shall separate us? Is it tribulation? Even though tribulation comes, even though these stresses come, even where persecutions, famine, nakedness, perils, or swords, praise God. He's saying, for, for it, it is, it, it, as it is written, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Hallelujah. It says, for I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Uh, I have come to a conclusion that cannot be moved. That neither death nor life. Even though I am faced with death, I'm faced with death. Even, even though, you know, the riches and pleasures of life stand me in the face. Angels, principalities or powers. Not things present or things to come. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This is rock. This is rock. This is foundation. Hallelujah. That no matter what we go through, no matter what we go through, no matter what comes, hallelujah, because, look, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that we are only steadfast when things are going right. Hallelujah. It shouldn't be that we are, we, are, we are only, you know, we only stay with God. We are only grounded and, you know, with God when things are going right. Hallelujah. What, what will happen? What will happen to your conviction if everything you have right now, if everything that was going right was taken away from you? Hallelujah. Let me tell you something like we've established. Shakings will come. And I can tell you for free, in this day, in these last days, oh God, <laughs> better be ready for it. You better be ready for it. Of course, we see the glory of God, we see the power of God. We will also see persecution. Hallelujah. I said during one of our Bible studies that every man will carry his cross. Every man. Every man will carry his cross. Let me tell you, shepherds will come. Shakers will come. We see in Job. We see in Job, you know, the devil, the devil came, you know, came to a meeting with God. And God asked him, where have you been? He says, I've been going through all the earth, you know, like the, like the devil that he is going through, yeah, looking for whom to bar. Praise God. That's what he does. He goes around looking for looking for a fight. Praise God. You don't need to you don't need to look for trouble. Trouble will come to you. Hallelujah. And God oh my God. God says, Have you considered my servant Job? And so even if 
even if <laughs> okay, I, this is not going to happen to it. Jesus name. But even if you know there is a hedge of protection around you, God can say, "Have you considered me? Have you considered myself and Job?" Praise God. And it so happens we see in 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 Scripture that God took away the hedge of protection, and the devil afflicted Job. He afflicted Job and took all he had, all, all he had. I mean, see, eh, there's a way bad things can happen in your life, and there is another way bad things can, you know, really happen in your life. These things happened consistently. I don't know if you've read the scripture. It says, as one server came with one news, immediately that one was done, another came. It happened four times. Oh, all your sheep, you know, fire came from heaven, snowed down your fields, and all your calves, your livestock, and the serpents, they all died. I was the only one who escaped. I came to tell you. Immediately that one finished, another one came. It says, a wind blew from the east and smote the pillars of, of um, the house in which your children were having a feast. And they all died. And all the servants. I am the only one who escaped to come and tell you. Immediately that one was done. Another one came again. See, there's a way. <laughs> there's a way, devil. <laughs> devil can afflict you. Praise God. Praise God. And the devil took away everything Job had. But he didn't take his conviction. Job still didn't curse God. He still didn't curse God. Now, I'm not saying that that is going to happen to anybody. I'm just saying that that is how your conviction should be. That is how rooted and grounded it should be. That come what may. That should be the nature of your conviction. It can weather anything. It can weigh anything out. Hallelujah. The devil will come. It will try, no matter how consistent the storms are, you are more consistent. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, and you better be ready. Praise God. Praise God. Be ready for these things. See it coming. Be ready. Come with me. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand on the word. Hallelujah. And Paul is saying, he says, what shall separate us? What? What? There is nothing. Nothing shall separate us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ. Hallelujah. You can take everything away, but you can't take that one thing. You can't take that one thing that I am set on, that I am founded on. You can't take it away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is how it should be. 